Welcome to this week's recording of the Worcester News, brought to you by the Equipment Service for the Blind. Our service is free, but if you'd like to make a donation or you have any comments regarding our service, please let us know, either by phoning and leaving a message or putting a note in your wallet. Uh, I am Sally Rowe, and my husband Ian is reading with me today. Uh, Alex Gwynn is our sound engineer, and Carol Hartle is our team administrator. We will be reading the news from Friday, October the 22nd through till Thursday, October the 28th. We'll start with headline stories, followed by the general news and sporting highlights. The obituaries will be at the end of the recording for those who are interested. Today, the sunrise is 7.56 and the sunset is 5.48. And remember this weekend on Saturday to turn your clocks back. So an extra hour in bed. Uh, we've had um, a card from Rita Smith and she has asked if we can say thank you to the two men who helped her last week when she had a nasty fall. Thank you very much for all you do. Can I please ask I can thank two gentlemen. I had a very bad fall outside Sainsbury's last Saturday and a tall man with a little boy and a man called Jack. They picked me up, took care of me. Jack took me home. Please thank them for me. They were very kind. So that's from Rita Smith. And we have just one birthday coming up. It's uh, 3rd of November. It's going to be Brian Ferris's birthday. So... Happy birthday to Brian on the 3rd of November. Uh, our thought for the day is from Romans 12, verse 9 to 12. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal. But keep your spiritual fervour, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. I will now hand you over to Ian, who will give you some useful phone numbers and the details of what's on in our local area. Thank you. Firstly, the useful telephone numbers. The number for us here in Wilds Lane is 01905. Seven six double seven double six. The police non-emergency number is one o one. Crime Stoppers are on zero eight hundred treble five treble one. The number for the Worcester Hub is o one nine o five seven six five seven six five. Worcester Live is on o one nine o five. Six double one four two seven, Morven Theatres O one six eight four eight nine double two double seven, Out of Hours Medical Services are on treble one, and Samaritans is 
11616123 and this is a free telephone number. Moving on to what's on. Uh, tickets are now on sale for one of Worcester's most popular Christmas events. Every year, Worcester Cathedral hosts the Christmas Tree Festival, which sees dozen, dozens of decorated trees set up in the medieval cloister. This year's festival runs from December the 1st to January the 2nd, with tickets now on sale. Val Floy, Chief Operating Officer at the Cathedral, said... The sparkling Christmas trees are a wonderful sight to be enjoyed by all the family. Advent and Christmas are busy times at the cathedral, so we have taken the decision to ticket some of the dates for the Christmas tree festival again this year to ensure everyone's safety. Our Christmas tree festival is very popular and we recommend booking a timed entry slot to visit to avoid disappointment. We look forward to welcoming visitors as part of Christmas 2021 at Worcester Cathedral. The trees are designed by local schools, charities and businesses with entry on a free flow basis from 10am until 5pm from December the 1st to 5th. This rule will also apply on all Sundays. No tickets are required on these days, but numbers will be regulated inside the cloister so queues are likely. From December the 6th to 23rd, entry to the festival is by pre-booked ticket with free flow entry returning from December the 24th to January the 2nd. Entry to the Christmas Tree Festival, either free flow or with a ticket, is free of charge and donations are welcome to help support the work of the cathedral. For more information, and to book tickets, visit www.worcestercathedral.co.uk forward slash what's hyphen on forward slash Christmas tree hyphen tree hyphen festival hyphen 2021. Now moving on to Worcester Theatres. Uh, firstly, at Huntington Hall... Siobhan Phillips is presenting Live and Unhinged on Wednesday the 3rd of November at 7.30pm. At the Swan Theatre, uh, we have The Last Five Years on Wednesday the 3rd of November at 7.30pm. And the New Jersey Boys, also at the Swan, on Thursday the 4th at 7.30pm. Continuing at the Swan, there is Happy Together, presented by the Worcester Musical Theatre Company, a unique all-singing, all-dancing extravaganza which occurs each year, and that is on Tuesday the 9th to Sunday the 14th of November at 7.30, and on Saturday... 2pm and 7pm, Sunday 4pm. Returning to Huntington Hall, uh, we have Psychic Sally presenting 10 Years and Counting on Friday the 5th of November at 7.30pm. And lastly again, returning to the Swan, we have the Abba Tribute Forever on Saturday the 6th of November 
at 7.30pm. Moving now to Morven Theatres, uh, Nobody, a dance circus extravaganza, uh, a fast-moving and highly physical uh, show, is on Tuesday the 2nd of November, 7.45. And Hello Again, the story of Neil Diamond, on Thursday the 4th of November, at 7.45pm. And the play that goes wrong is back on Tuesday the 9th to Saturday the 3rd of November. And I haven't got a time for that, but I'm sure it'll be in the press. So that concludes uh, what is on. Thank you very much. And now we'll start with the headlines. Starting with Friday, October the 22nd, anger over fake refund. A curry house is demanding action from Uber Eats after a rise in false refund claims, including one for a £40 takeaway. Restaurateur Safal Islam was shocked to find the food ordering app had immediately given the customer a full refund without checking whether the food had been delivered by Balti Mahal. The order was made on Saturday, but the claim was not made until Tuesday, despite the restaurant on Aswood Road having rigorous checks and records in place. Mr Islam said, It's happened about five or six times now. We understand people claiming for missing items. It's understandable. But under Just Eat or Deliveroo, they tell you straight away a customer is missing an item and gives you the opportunity to contact the customer. If we've made a mistake, then we can give the money back or arrange to deliver the missing item. He continued, Uber Eats doesn't contact us. They straight away give the refund to the customer. Even two weeks later, they have given a refund to a customer. After contacting Uber Eats, Mr Islam claims they told him they believe they were 100% correct in refunding the customer. The company has later accepted the takeaway was delivered and said it would refund the business. A spokesman for Uber said they would be in touch with Balti Mahal to discuss the matter. Mr Islam said, Occasionally there might be one or two items missing, but this customer claimed the whole £45 order was missing. I absolutely trust my driver. He has been with us a long time and he remembers the delivery. I can see he delivered the items at 8 o'clock. It's recorded on his mobile and on the sat-nav location. The vast majority of our customers, 99.9%, .9 are wonderful, but it seems that nowadays some people are being dishonest. He said that deliveries go through three checks to make sure all items are present before they are delivered. Once by the chef, chef, once by a waiter, and then by the driver. Mr Islam said, We are very, very careful because I know if you order and something even small is missing, you are going to be upset. We are struggling. We are a small business and have had a hard time over the last year and still we're trying to recover from that. The fact that this is happening is really frustrating. He continued, It feels like Uber Eats is encouraging people to be dishonest by operating in this way. I imagine big businesses like McDonald's get this a lot more, but we are only a small business and we can't afford it. An Uber spokesman said, Uber Eats is committed to providing the best platform for customers and restaurants alike. 
We are measures. We have measures in place to protect against fraudulent delivery recipients if a merchant would like to dispute a refund. That they may make, get in touch through our website, and we are contacting this restaurant to address their concerns. Moving on to the lead story for Saturday, October the twenty-third: fewer poorer county students going to uni. The gap between poorer Worcestershire students and their more affluent peers attending university has risen. Figures show. The Sutton Trust said the university access gap across England, which is now as large as it was 14 years ago, is evidence of stubborn and ingrained inequalities in the education system. Data from the Department for Education. Shows that of 583 students in Worcestershire who received free school meals at the age of 15, 97, 16.6 percent, were at university in 2019 to 20, down from 20 percent the year before. Of 5,016 other pupils in the area not on free school meals, 43.3 percent were studying in higher education at the age of 19, which was also down from 43.4 percent in 2018 to 19. This meant that the progression rate gap between poorer pupils and non-advantaged, sorry, and non-disadvantaged students. Rose to 26.7 percentage points last year, up from 23.4 in 2018 to 19. Across England, 26.6 percent of pupils who received free school meals at age 15 were participating in higher education in 2019 to 20, compared with 45.7 percent of those who did not receive meals. At 19.1 percentage points, this gap is the widest it has been since 2005 to 6, and varies significantly throughout the country. The Sutton Trust, which campaigns for equal access to high-quality education, called for further government funding to address the problem, as well as more support from universities for low-income students. James Turner, chief executive of the charity, added. The fact that the university access gap for children on free school meals has not closed at all in the past decade shows just how stubborn and ingrained inequalities are in our system. The COVID-19 pandemic means that the divide between disadvantaged students and their classmates is likely to become even wider, but there is an urgency to act now to prevent the gaps widening still further. The gap between the numbers of disadvantaged and non-disadvantaged students entering more selective universities also rose to eight percentage points in 2019 to 20 in England. In Worcestershire, just 1.2 percent of pupils eligible for free school meals progressed to high-tariff institutions, universities with higher entry requirements, by the age of 19. Compared with 9.4 percent of those non-eligible, a Department for Education spokesman said a greater proportion of disadvantaged pupils are going to university than ever, but that there is more to do. 
He added, ensuring that everyone has the opportunity to access a world-class education remains a top priority. And Monday, October the 25th, Food Bank's plea to people of City. The City's Food Bank has issued a plea for donations after experiencing its fourth ever busiest month in September. Worcester Food Bank, which opened its doors in 2012, helped a total of 925 people last month, while also seeing an increase in first-time users. And this is a number that it has predicted to see grow as we head into the winter, with people having to choose between heating or eating. Ruth Alsop from Worcester Food Bank explained how a combination of factors has led to the increased needs for their services. She said, I think it has been a bit of a perfect storm. Although the reduction of universal credit didn't get officially put in place until October, people are starting to panic and we do try to get people to be proactive and let us know if they're going to be in crisis soon because we are so busy. The rise in fuel costs is also a factor. That always has an impact as we start to move into winter. Increasing national insurance payments, the end of furlough and just Covid generally have all had a negative effect so it's just a perfect storm of different things. We're seeing a lot of first-time users, so that shows that these changes are pushing families that were coping before into a situation where they are in need of help. With the end of the temporary £20 universal credit uplift coming into effect this month, around 5.5 million claimants will lose up to £1,040 from their yearly allowance. And Mrs Alsop has said that with the usual spikes that they experienced during the lead-up to Christmas anyway, the situation could be set to worsen for many people. It always ramps up in the lead-up to Christmas anyway. December is always our busiest month, she added. As well as the normal pressures of life, you then see your heating bills go up and have to contend with things like Christmas presents as well. But again, as well-known the cost of food is set to go up because of the recent supply issues and people's energy bills could be set to double regardless of how much they're using. So once temperatures really start to drop, we are predicting things will continue to get worse, unfortunately. The government has announced it will launch the Household Support Fund this month to help those struggling over the winter period. Grants worth up to 500 million are intended to help struggling families meet costs for, da for daily needs such as food, clothing and utility bills. However, while Mrs Alsop hopes this will help support people in crisis, there is often a delay getting this funding into the pockets of people in need. You can donate to the Worcester Food Bank at some of the main supermarkets or on their website, the Food Bank website. Tuesday, October the 26th. Supermarket is moving forward. Worcestershire will be one of the first places in the UK to get a new Asda on-the-move shop. Asda will officially open its second premium AOTM store in Hartlebury before the end of the year. The premium extra special convenience store will stock the supermarket's deluxe product range. The convenience shop will replace the spa at the Euro Garages Group garage on the A449. The Subway and Greg's counter service areas will remain at the petrol station.
Derek Lawyer, Chief Merchandising Officer at Asda said, We know that customers want great quality that is easily accessible and great value, so we're delighted to be able to launch our extra special Asda on the Move stores. Customers visiting the store will find everything you would expect to be able to pick up in a forecourt grocery location, along with a wide range of premium extra special options across chilled meals, fresh ingredients and a specially selected range of beverages. The launch marks a milestone in the evolution of Asda on the Move and our convenience offer, as well as an increased focus on showcasing our extra special range, which continues to be a popular choice with customers, with like-for-like sales in this category up by more than 20% in Q2 compared to the same period in 2019. Work is ongoing at the Hartlebury service station to transform it into the new shop. Asda officially opened its first premium extra special at EG Group's Oxford Road forecourt in Beaconsfield, Buckinghamshire. Asda previously announced it would open a further 28 AOTM sites with EG Group in the coming months before extending to 200 locations in 2022. As well as stocking a wide range of premium products, the store will have a different look and feel to a traditional grocery convenient format, taking cues from the retailer's extra special branding, both inside the store and on the forecourt. Wednesday, October the 27th. Vaccines hit record numbers. It was a record-breaking weekend for vaccinations, with more than 700 people queuing to receive a COVID booster or flu vaccination. Among them were 40 people who were having their first dose of the vaccine during the event on Saturday, which has been hailed as an incredible success. The grey weather did not put people off as long queues formed outside the Horizon Hub in Midland Road on Saturday. It was the most vaccines the PCN-led outreach clinics in Worcester have ever delivered in a single day. David McDowell, patient quality manager at Worcester City PCN, said, We were blown away by the enthusiasm of patients who attended this week's outreach event at the Horizon Hub in Worcester, the fifth in a series of fantastic clinics we've held at Worcester Community Trust venues during October. With over 700 vaccinations delivered in a single day, it was a record-breaking event for Worcester and proof of what we can achieve when we all work together. We're grateful to the NHS staff and volunteers who work tirelessly on site throughout the day, the City Council and their volunteers who spread the word among local residents in the run-up to the event and the Community Trust for offering up their spaces across the city throughout October as well as, of course, the local residents who came down on the day. Almost a year into the vaccination programme, it's fantastic to still be breaking records and the encouragement and support of our patients really does keep us going. So thank you to the residents of Worcester for coming out and getting vaccinated with us. There was a concerted effort to publicise the vaccination event amid rising Covid numbers and with winter on the way. Council volunteers went door-to-door to to encourage people to come along, while shuttle buses were running from other hubs across the city. Councillor James Stanley, Chairman of Worcester City Council's Communities Committee, said, 
Saturday's vaccine clinic at the Horizon Hub was a great success with around 700 people being jabbed, the highest number yet at a pop-up clinic. I would like to thank any, everyone who made this an important contribution to Worcester's fight against COVID. The NHS staff, Worcester Community Trust, who provided the menu, the council workers and volunteers who helped run it, and the many city residents who queued patiently to get their jabs. How to get your vaccinations. Flu vaccines. Worcester Racecourse is open Monday to Friday most weeks with opening times listed at worcestercity/pcn.co.uk flu. And boosters for your covid patients who have had their second dose of the vaccine 190 days ago or more and are eligible for the vaccine can book at St Peter's Baptist Church the Three Counties Showground or other venues by calling 119 or using the national booking system at nhs.uk slash conditions slash coronavirus COVID-19 booking. And 12 to 15 year olds, parents or guardians of children aged 12 to 15 can now book their first dose using the national booking system or by calling 119 or they can wait for vaccinations to take place in their schools. It is not too late for patients to book their first or second doses. Patients can use the link above or call 119 but second doses must be eight weeks after the first. The headline story for... Saturday and Sunday, October 23rd to 24th. Club spiking fears spark boycott. Female students are gearing up to boycott clubs in Worcester in response to the recent epidemic of spiking. The Girls' Night In campaign will see women boycott nightclubs across the county on Wednesday, October the 27th, as more and more victims of spiking via drinks and injections come forward. The Worcester News has also received unconfirmed reports that a city centre bar has alerted the police after women were reportedly spiked with a needle on the premises. This comes after recent worrying developments in Nottingham, where police arrested a 20-year-old man as part of an investigation following social media reports of women being injected with needles over the past two weeks. A 19-year-old student said on social media that she had woken up with a sharp, agonising pain in her leg and zero recollection of her evening at a Nottingham nightclub. She later discovered what appeared to be a prick mark on her leg. Groups have now formed at around 50 universities to campaign for a national boycott of nightclubs next week in a bid to force action from both the government and nighttime venues. And female students in Worcester are also said to be joining the movement. Clement Savini, Marketing and Communications Coordinator at Worcester Students' Union, said, We are aware of the Girls' Night In campaign and a number of our students and student groups have expressed an interest in the proposed boycott. We support all our students to make their own decisions around this issue 
and whether or not they want to participate in the campaign. We want all Worcester students to feel safe in the Students' Union and at venues run by our commercial partners. We have already had proactive conversations with the SU and with our partners around drink spiking and student safety. We will continue to have these conversations to ensure the safety of our students on nights out. Student safety is one of our top priorities and we provide extensive support and signposting to all of our members on a range of topics around personal safety and well-being. We think it can only be a positive thing that this has become a national conversation and we will make all venues think about the well-being of their patrons. The Alcohol Education Trust has said that reported casing of spiking often surge during Freshers' Week and the first term of university, which aligns with current reports. Tuesday, October the 26th. Scary but incredible. An unexpected delivery was made outside Worcester's A&E, a newborn baby. Staff were shocked to see the bundle of joy after her mother gave birth in the ambulance bay in the early hours of the morning. Katie Kershaw was rushed to Worcestershire Royal Hospital by her fiancé, Chris Minton, after her waters broke on the M5 at around 4am yesterday. But by the time they had pulled their ambulance into the bay, their daughter Evie Dawn Minton was already being born. Mr Minton said, We were on the motorway from Bromsgrove when my partner's waters broke. I'd spoken to triage on the phone and they'd said that once the waters have broken, you need to phone for an ambulance. We'd just gone past Junction 6 when she said, I need to push. So I managed to phone for an ambulance and they had said that I needed to find somewhere to pull over. He continued, but as I didn't think it was safe to pull over on the M5, we were only two minutes away from coming off the motorway and my partner said that she couldn't wait, so we just decided to try and make it. We got into the hospital grounds and my partner just said, I can't do this anymore. By the time I stopped the car and got out of the driver's seat to get round to my partner, she was out. Our daughter was literally being pushed out in the front car seats and I just had to grab her head. The doctors and the nurses said that it was their first time they had ever seen that happen at A&E. Someone coming in after just popping a baby out. Miss Kershaw had been on the waiting list to have her waters broken due to a lack of fluid around the baby, something she'd been frequently visiting the hospital for over the past week. However, it was the only when she was woken up by their two sons in the middle of the night at their home, she realised she was starting to have contractions. After finding someone to look after their sons and rushing his fiancée to A&E, Mr Minton shouted for help, but the security guard originally only brought back a wheelchair. Unfortunately for him, I had a bit of a moan because he came out with a wheelchair, he said. But once I'd shouted that my partner had just had a baby, two nurses and a doctor rushed out to help. They came out and were trying to cover the baby to keep her warm. A bed was brought out for her and they took her in. Both mother and daughter are safe and well 
and Mr Minton said he was hopeful they'd both be discharged from the hospital today for Evie Dawn's first night at home. They're both doing well. My partner's blood pressure is still a bit high, but she's getting it better, he added. I'd like to say a huge thank you to the doctors and nurses who came out to help. They were brilliant. It was a bit of a scary experience, but yeah, it was pretty incredible. Final wish to thank staff is the story lead on Thursday, October the 28th. A dying man's last wish after suffering a massive heart attack was to say thank you to Worcestershire's NHS staff for their incredible care. Alan Berry was, was rushed to Worcestershire Royal Hospital two weeks ago after calling 999, feeling disorientated and dazed. Sadly, the 75-year-old of St John's died at the Queen Elizabeth Hospital in Birmingham on Tuesday evening following a second heart attack. His younger sister, Joy Tinton, said one of his last wishes was to let people know how amazing the ambulance and hospital staff were. Mrs Tinton, from the Arboretum, said Mr Berry felt that at every step he had had the best care anyone could wish for. She said, when he got to hospital, he had to wait only 10 minutes to do tests and they said he had had a massive heart attack. They said all his arteries were blocked, so they can't operate. He could hardly breathe, but in between each breath, he told me he wanted to write to the Worcester News to say how superb the staff at Worcestershire, the QE and the ambulance service are. She continued... He wanted to let your readers know that the hospital staff did all they could for him and he wanted to show them in a good light. The staff were all rushed off their feet. Alan told me they were like a swarm of ants and he couldn't understand why more of them hadn't had a burnout. It has been a trying time but he is definitely very grateful. Everything they have done has been above and beyond. Plans were being made to allow Mr Berry to die at home, but sadly he passed away before he was able to come back. The retired former Morven refuse collection worker was moved to the QE for kidney dialysis. Matthew Hopkins, chief executive of Worcestershire Acute Hospitals NHS Trust, said, Staff across our hospitals are working day in, day out to provide the best possible care for our patients. I'm delighted to hear that this patient and their family are so happy with the care he received from our staff. Hearing feedback like this gives our colleagues a huge moral boost and reinforces that they are putting patients first. Thursday, October the 28th. Quiet hour welcomed. A stroke victim has applauded Tesco after the supermarket giant introduced a permanent quiet hour in its stores. Tesco will dim the lights and lower the noise at the checkouts in its larger stores from 9 to 10am every Wednesday and Saturday. The supermarket says this is to help people with hidden disabilities, the vulnerable and the elderly navigate stores more easily. And Carol Roberts, 66, 
who suffered from a stroke in 2017, has applauded the supermarket giant for permanently bringing in the change. She said, I think Tesco are brilliant for bringing a quiet hour in. I think a lot of supermarkets should do it. I can imagine many people with similar brain injuries have experienced an extremely similar thing. And the same for those who have disabilities too. People often don't appreciate disabilities that they can't see and don't understand. They don't realise what you're battling with. She continued, I used to be a teacher. I ran a business and was even a scout leader for 20 years. So I was used to lots going on. And it really brings it home when something like this happens, how quickly things can change for people. Mrs Roberts from Pershaw suffered from a brainstem stroke in 2017, which affected her involuntary systems. After having seemingly recovered from the stroke, she was still experiencing issues while driving and going about daily tasks, much to the bafflement of the stroke team in Worcester. However, after persisting for a diagnosis, it was determined that she had persistent postural perceptual dizziness, a common cause of chronic dizziness which people often get after brain injuries. She said, I was so relieved when I got diagnosed because I thought I was going mad. The first time I tried driving on the motorway after my stroke, I was in Plymouth with my husband. We were coming up to a roundabout and he said, are you going to stop for that bus? I didn't see a double-decker bus. When my brain gets overloaded, it just says, that's enough, and starts cutting things out. Mrs Roberts often gets overwhelmed in supermarkets because of her condition, even collapsing in Asda on one occasion. And she says for people who suffer from brain injury or disabilities, a trip to the supermarket can be sheer brain overload. Claire Pickthall, Tesco Group Customer Proposition Director, said, We know that almost 20% of the population in the UK have a disability, and we want to be able to help our customers as much as we can. So I'm really proud that at Tesco we are taking another step in being a more inclusive business by introducing Quiet Hour across all our stores. So, me to, me to start. Okay? Okay. A huge sculpture made of more than 100,000 confiscated knives is set to appear in the city next year. The knife angel structure, which measures 27 feet tall and was created using knives and blades confiscated by police across the UK, will be making an appearance outside Worcester Cathedral throughout March. The sculpture, designed by Alfie Bradley of the British Ironworks Centre in Oswestry, was created to highlight knife crime and help educate youngsters about the impact violence has on communities. Councillor Mark Bayliss, leader of Worcester City Council, said... People often think of knife crime and violence as something that happens in other cities. However, the most commonly reported type of crime involve threats of violence without injury. We hope that the Knife Angels visit can be a catalyst for change. We will actively encourage visits from schools, colleges and community groups. Guest speakers who have experienced violence firsthand will talk to young people about the impact it has had as well as the long-term consequences for perpetrators. 
The sculpture will be discussed by Worcester City Council's Communities Committee at a meeting next Wednesday, November the 3rd, where councillors will be asked to spend £7,500 to help bring the Knife Angel to the city and spread its message. A secure amnesty bin for knives and weapons will also be in place throughout the month. Worcester City Council said it would be working with Worcester Cathedral, West Mercia Police and Crime Commissioner John Campion, West Mercia Police, the South Worcestershire Community Safety Partnership and other bodies to make the most of the Knife Angels' month-long stay in Worcester and to ensure its message has maximum impact. The Council said a number of workshops and talks from guest speakers will be held throughout March and schools from across South Worcestershire will be invited. The Knife Angel has already visited UK cities and landmarks including Chester, Coventry, Liverpool, Hull, Birmingham, Hereford, Telford, Derby and Middlesbrough. It has been recognised by the Home Office as the National Monument Against Violence and Aggression. The Communities Committee meets in the Guild Hall from 7 o'clock on November the 3rd. The City Council is looking to spend £400,000 on new bins, it has been revealed. The money would be used to replace hundreds of bins across Worcester and install almost 40 more across the next four years. Worcester City Council's Environment Committee meets on Tuesday to debate setting the extra money aside. The two-phase scheme would see many of the city's smaller, outdated and underused bins replaced in the years up to 2025, with 23 new bins installed this year and a further 16 installed over the next few years. More than 50 bins across the city's parks would also be revamped as part of the second phase of the work. Dog owners will also be able to put their pet's waste in the new bins. Councillor Andy Stafford, Chair of the City Council's Environment Committee, said Ensuring the city's streets are clean and tidy is one of the Council's top priorities and this proposed investment, if approved, will make a major contribution to reducing the amount of rubbish and litter across the city. Councillors had already agreed to spend up to £75,000 on waste collection this year including the return of the Saturday skip service, with around two-thirds of the money marked to go towards new bins and improving collections. Following discussions, the budget for the bin improvements has now risen by £32,000 to £80,000. Installing the new bins this year will allow an extra 14,455 litres of rubbish to be stored, with the latter later work increasing volume in the city's bins by an extra 70,000 litres. The City Council's Environment Committee meets from 7pm in the Guildhall Hall on November the 2nd. Um, this is the chaplain's blog from the Reverend David Southall. It's four weeks since I sat at this office desk and I have to say I am glad to be back. I picked up COVID a month ago and after a period of flu-like symptoms and 10 days of isolation, I thought I would jump back into work just like that. This, however, proved not to be the case. I was sideswiped with exhaustion and fatigue. Even the simplest tasks like putting the bins out wiped me out and I had no motivation to do anything. 
When I spoke to the GP, she explained that COVID is about three times worse than influenza and signed me off sick for another two weeks, suggesting I just rest and take time. It was then that the mind game started. I felt like such a fraud being off work and leaving all the duties for my colleagues. I felt anxious about things and at one point didn't ever feel that I would get back to normal. If I couldn't even do the simplest things then, how could I function in the hurly-burly of hospital? This was my Covid journey and it didn't help comparing myself with others who had gone back to work straight away after their 10 days. I felt like I was making it all up. But the one thing I learnt was to rely on the kindness of friends. I was sent messages saying by colleagues and friends, telling me to take my time and not worry about work. I received emails which told me how much I was missed and that it was better that I come back when I was well and not before. These notes of kindness made all the difference to me and I will be always grateful for them. It It only took people a minute to write them, but they meant so much more to me. So I'm thinking of those people today who I can send a message to in order to repay the messages that I received. Is there someone I know who would value an encouraging word? Someone who is experiencing a bit of darkness in which I could send some light. Perhaps we might all be able to bring a little light into a dark place. Homeless and lonely people will enjoy a free Christmas Day meal at a city pub which has launched an appeal to raise funds. Landlord Colin Mad Pierre Robinson has launched a fundraising appeal to help pay for the six-course meal at the Chestnut Tree Inn in Lansdowne Road, which are offered for free. Last year, the pub couldn't invite people into the pub, but delivered meals to the YMCA and Women's Aid. But now they are looking to welcoming back people who would otherwise be lonely on December the 25th and have already raised £250 towards the festive meals. Mr Robinson said, We probably cook about 50 lunches for the homeless and lonely people. Most of my family has passed away, so it is sort of like an extension to my family. It's a very pleasant day. It's a nice community thing to do. People have been very, very generous and the locals seem to really be into it. It starts at 3pm and we give them a six or seven course meal and presents and stuff and it finishes whenever they finish. Preparations start with a shop at Booker's to pick up the essentials and then finishes with a mammoth cooking session for 65-year-old Mad Pierre. I try to prepare as much as I can beforehand, but it always ends in a panic on the day. I've been doing it since the 1990s at every pub I've been to, and it's now become a tradition. We have a few people who turn up every year because I invite St Paul's Hostel, Mag's Day Centre and people from the YMCA. While Mr Robinson will be cooking on the day, the pub is looking for a business to take over the kitchen long term. Anyone wishing to donate towards the Christmas meals can do so on the Chestnut Tree Inn's Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash the chestnut inn or at the pub. Continuing on that Christmas theme, there's going to be a festive dog grotto 
which proved hugely popular with pups and owners alike, and it's returning to Worcester for a second year running. Organisers are expecting more than 50 festive fur babies to visit Santa Paws Grotto, which will be held at an outdoor enclosure, Five Oaks Boarding Kennels, on Sunday, December the 12th. Bookings cost £5 per dog and include a picture with Santa and a canine-friendly gift, regardless of whether your pooch has been naughty or nice. There'll also be a tombola and collection in aid of dog charity Pups, Protection of Unwanted Puppies Society. And Amy Tipper from Tips and Tails Dog Walking and Pet Services has said that after 24 hours, Santa is already almost fully booked with doggy visits. Amy Tipper from Tips and Tails Dog Walking and Pet Services said, We ran this event last year and it was very successful, much to our surprise. This is the kind of thing I would love to do with my dogs. So we thought we'd see if the people of Worcestershire were up for it too. And apparently I'm not the only one that treats my dogs like children. 24 hours after putting the ad out on Facebook, we're almost fully booked for the four-hour event. I'd love to extend it, but I think it may be asking too much of Santa. We are expecting more than 50 dogs to attend and there'll also be a tombola and festive treats. This charity we are raising money for is Pups, run by Sheila Tremelden, who will be here on the day to join in the festivities. A war hero who fought in a guerrilla warfare unit has been laid to rest. The funeral of Arthur Rollins, who died at the age of 104, took place at Worcester Crematorium as mourners paid tribute to an incredible life yesterday. Mr Rollins was one of the last surviving members of the Chindits, a guerrilla warfare unit which operated in the jungles of Burma during the Second World War. A member of the Mercian Regiment, formed from Mr Rollins' former unit, the South Staffs Regiment, marched in front of the hearse, providing a guard of honour with the regiment's former mascot, a Staffordshire Bull Terrier, as it reached the crematorium. Private Rollins served in the 1st Battalion South Staffordshire Regiment between 1939 and 1946. In December 1940, he was involved in Operation Compass in North Africa, and in June 1942, he was involved with Field Marshal Montgomery's 8th Army in other major battles in the campaign, including Tobruk and El Alamein. During his time in Africa, he was captured by the Italians and later by the Vichy French in Syria until, in his own words, the guards all scarpered and he was free again. In early 1944, he was sent to serve in an air landing unit with the Chindits, dropping behind Japanese lines in Burma. This night landing by glider pitched Private Rollins into the thickest of hand-to-hand combat with the enemy constantly at nothing more than bayonet distance away. Fighting over mountains in dense jungles and waist-deep water, close personal combat was the order of the day. Uncle Arthur, as he was affectionately known, remained in this environment until the end of the war, and in 1946 he was posted to India before returning to the UK, where he went back to work at Worcester Porcelain. He was made foreman and was there until he retired. Retirement, however, however, was not for Private Rollins, 
as he became a gardener for many years at the Digley's House Hotel on the banks of the River Severn. The Jindits, known officially as the Long Range Penetration Groups, were special operations units of the British and Indian armies which saw action in the 1943-44 during the Burma campaign. They were led by their eccentric commander, Order Wingate. The unit helped sabotage the enemy's communication system, blowing up rail tracks and cutting power supplies. A new plan to tackle gull nests in Worcester, including spending £40,000, will be considered by councillors. An action plan to reduce the number of the birds in the city will be examined by councillors with plans including creating three gull nest exclusion zones, subsidising property owners to make their buildings gull-proof and campaigning for a change to the national limit on what can be done to control the birds. The City Council's Environment Committee will consider the new plan, with the birds being a constant nuisance to residents in recent years. They have been seen swooping on pedestrians, calling out noisily in the morning and depositing large amounts of bird poo on the city. Councillor Andy Stafford, Chairman of Worcester City Council's Environment Committee said, There are only a few gulls left in the city at this time of year, but everyone in the city knows that when they return in the spring for the nesting season, they once again become both a pest and in some cases a direct threat to public health and safety. Earlier this year we doubled the budget to tackle the problems and they cause up to £60,000 and now is the time when we have to start planning for their return so we make sure there are fewer breeding pairs in 2022. The new action plan includes the idea of creating three experimental gull nest exclusion zones in the Tithing, Weir Lane, Lower Wick and around Fish Street and Copenhagen Street in the city centre. The idea is to ensure there are no nesting gulls whatsoever in these zones, with a range of actions being taken to achieve this, including installing spikes, netting and wire mesh cages at popular nesting spots, plus activities that will disturb the birds, including human presence at the sites, tapping roofs, shining lights and playing of recordings of gulls' distress calls. To deliver these actions, the Environment Committee will be asked to support a further £40,000 increase in the gull control budget, with the 2022 plan estimated to cost £74,500. The Environment Committee meets at the Guildhall at 7 on Tuesday, November the 2nd, and the meeting will be what can be watched live at YouTube, Worcester City Council. A patient died at hospital in Worcester after being left inside an ambulance. The patient died after a five-hour wait in the back of a vehicle at Worcestershire Royal earlier this month. The BBC reported the patient was rushed to A&E and taken to resuscitation room. Despite this, the patient went into cardiac arrest and died. Worcestershire Acute Hospitals Trust and West Midlands Ambulance Trust have launched an investigation into what happened. A joint statement from both trusts said, We are aware of an incident where a patient died shortly after being taken into the emergency department of Worcestershire Royal Hospital on October the 5th. We have launched a joint investigation into the circumstances. While that investigation is ongoing, it would be inappropriate to say anything further at this stage, 
other than to express our condolences to the patient's family who are being kept fully informed. Waiting times at the hospital have been an issue for some time, with waits of several hours regularly being reported. On October the 26th, 71.9% of patients were being seen within four hours, slightly behind the nationwide target. A Care Quality Commission survey carried out last year found most patients were happy with their treatment while staying at the Trust's hospitals. More than 600 adults who had stayed overnight as inpatients between July and November 2020 took part in the survey. Of these, 98% said they were treated with dignity and respect. 98% said they had confidence in doctors and nurses. And 84% rated their overall experience as 7 out of 10 or above. Results also improved in a number of areas compared to 2019, including patients getting enough help to eat their meals, 89%, Patients being given enough notice about when they will be leaving hospital, 91%. And there always or sometimes being enough nurses, 94%. Meanwhile, the most recent Use of Resources report by the CQC, published in 2019, ruled the trust was inadequate. The trust's overall rating remains requires improvement according to the CQC. One of Worcester's longest-running businesses is celebrating a landmark milestone. Man Broadband, set up in 1961, is celebrating 60 years helping sports people and dancers in Worcester find insurance. With the COVID pandemic hitting and outdoor activities cut back, the business saw demand for its services suffer. Now, though, demand is beginning to rise again, with the company getting back on its feet. Managing Director Duncan Sutcliffe said, As the industry is getting back on its feet, so too are we experiencing a high demand for our services. This has been echoed in the successful launch of our new insurance policy in June, and we will continue to announce new services in 2022 to further support the recovery of the sports, dance and leisure industry. Mann Broadband was established in 1961 by its founders, Bob Mann, and Bob Broadbent. Originally, the business was uh, set up to provide the necessary cover for teams playing amateur sport, but now Man Broadbent helps provide insurance services to a wide range of sports, dance and leisure organisations throughout the UK. Mr Sutcliffe added, We're absolutely delighted to be celebrating our 60th anniversary. So much has changed since the business started, but one thing that is still the same and that is the passion we have for providing a personal service, which we really care about. Now we support such a wide range of individuals and organisations, from sports clubs to climbing centres to axe-throwing and triathlon events, the list is endless. Founder Bob Mann was a keen footballer and later as a Football League, FIFA and Olympic Games referee and an administrator at county FA level, while Bob Broadbent's background was in cricket, and for many years a regular first 11 batsman with Worcestershire County Cricket Club. The company is now part of the independent brokers Sutcliffe & Co. An act of remembrance on the 107th anniversary of the Battle of Gellervelt takes place this weekend in Worcester. 
It will commemorate the achievements of the men of the 2nd Battalion, the Worcestershire Regiment, October 31, 1914, whose counterattack saved Ypres from capture and the British Army from defeat. On October 31, 1914, after 10 days of battle, nearly every unit had been drawn into battle line and had been broken beyond recovery. The 2nd Battalion, the Worcestershire Regiment, was the last available reserve of the British defence. At 12.45pm, a company advanced to a railway embankment to prevent the enemy advancing up the Menem Road. At 1pm, Major Hankey was given orders to counter-attack, and at 2pm, with bayonets fixed, the battalion moved off in file. Everywhere there were signs of retreat. The Worcesters alone were moving towards the enemy. Three companies, B, C and D, numbering 370 in total, tramped grimly forward down into a valley. The two leading companies broke into a steady double and swept forward, the officers leading, and behind them their men with fixed bayonets in one long irregular line. They scrambled across the light railway, through hedges and wire fences, and then, in the grounds of Gellivelt Chateau, they closed with the enemy. The South Wales borderers had made a wonderful stand. All day they held their ground at the chateau. Their resistance had delayed and diverted the German advance, and the success of the counter-attack was largely due to their brave defence. Major Hankey sent fighting patrols into the village to drive back snipers and to take some prisoners. The village was secured, but it was not possible to hold it permanently. Nevertheless, the main force of the enemy had been driven out and the peril of a collapse of the British defence about the Menin Road had been averted. The 2nd Battalion held firm on the ground, which they had won. Behind them, General Fitzclarence reorganised his troops and made preparation for further resistance. It stands to the perpetual credit of the regiment that, at the darkest hour of that great battle, when others around them were in retreat, the war-torn officers and men went forward unflinching to meet unknown odds and, by their devotion, saved the day. The day's fighting had cost the 2nd Battalion dearly. A third of the battalion's remaining strength, 187 all ranks, had been killed or wounded. Gellivelt Park, Worcester, came about in recognition of the importance and significance of this battle. The Memorial Arch Gateway entrance to the park has plaques attesting to this. The commemoration service, organised by the Worcester branch, of the Worcestershire and Sherwood Foresters Regimental Association in partnership with Worcester City Council will be conducted by Reverend Colin Butler at Gellivelt Park on Sunday, October 31st, beginning at 11.30am. The commemoration service will be held at the interpretive feature and members of the public are welcome to attend. 
You can visit the Worcestershire Soldier Gallery of the Regimental Museum in Worcester City Art Gallery and Museum in Fourgate Street. Climate activists occupied a Worcester street to raise awareness of the climate crisis. Extinction Rebellion Worcester set up in the shambles with more than 200 pairs of shoes laid out to appeal for more action against climate change. The theme of the protest on Saturday was protecting future generations, with the shoes representing the children who will inherit the world. Although the group set themselves up in the middle of the street, they were not blocking the way through to pedestrians. Members of the group were handing out leaflets and discussing their aims with passers-by throughout. One protester was mum and former head of of support for a brain tumour charity, Rosemary Warmington. She said... The shoes are to remind those in power of the need to protect young people from climate change. We lost our daughter Frances to a brain tumour which we could do nothing about. I don't want to lose my son to something that is totally preventable. Governments both at home and across the world need to act now and get rid of fossil fuel use and subsidies before it's too late to keep global warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels or they will have to take responsibility for the inevitable outcome, preventable child deaths. In a new survey and paper on young people's voices on climate anxiety by the University of Bath, 72% of young Brits believe the future is frightening, while nearly 40% say they are hesitant to have children because of the climate crisis. Overall, 45% said their feelings about climate change negatively negatively affected their daily life and functioning. This is the biggest survey to date of 10,000 young people aged 16 to 25 in 10 countries which collected data on their thoughts and feelings about climate change and government response. Extinction Rebellion will donate the shoes to anti-poverty charity Shoe Aid following the action. A driver who ran over a police officer leaving him injured, has been sent to prison. Drees Dale was sentenced at Worcester Crown Court on Friday for five offences. They included running over a Rhodes policing officer and breaking his foot. It followed an incident on the A449 near to Junction 6 Worcester of the M5 on Friday, September the 17th. The 25-year-old, of All Saints Road, Wolverhampton, was sent to prison for 33 months. He was also disqualified from driving for three years, plus extension period of 530 days, with an extended retest. Dale was originally charged with causing serious injury by dangerous driving, driving without valid insurance, driving while disqualified, assaulting an emergency worker and obstructing police. And now for our sports section. Uh, Worcester Warriors head coach Jonathan Thomas says that his side need to start doing their talking on the field after the 10-try 66-10 defeat at Northampton Saints, which prompted a passionate review meeting. Thomas says the review took a different format than normal and given the performance last weekend, that comes as little surprise. Worcester players were visibly disappointed post-game on the Franklin's Gardens turf and Thomas said it was a hard result to swallow. Everyone is hurting, he said. 
There are no excuses from our end. We take ownership. It hasn't been acceptable. We aren't learning from our mistakes. So we changed the review process and the players watched it themselves as a group and fed back to each other. What we saw there was real disappointment, but also a real passion to fix it. But we need to act on that now. There's been a lot of talking in the last 24 hours. Now it's time to take action this week. Warriors have conceded 40-plus points in each of their last three defeats, amassing 156 points, and it's evident that something has to change. They take on Sale Sharks at six ways this Saturday in front of their own fans again, who are beginning to question whether the current situation can be salvaged. There is a lot of external noise when these results happen, Thomas added. We need to be held accountable, but we are all working incredibly hard in training coaches and players. When I asked to be head coach, I knew the size of the task, and it's not a surprise to me that we are going through tough times. I knew the size, it's a real build job, rebuild job. But the the stuff behind the scenes is what we will get us through. The work we go through off the field is what helps us put things right on the pitch. The players need to believe in themselves. Belief is so important. We are not as bad as what people think and what the perception is out there, but it's up to us to show it on the field. This weekend's clash with Sale feels like a big moment in the season and Warriors will have to make do without co-captain and scrum half Will Hines for the third game in a row. He was pulled out ahead of the defeat to Saints last weekend due to a tear in his groin and will miss the clash with the Sharks. Ollie Lawrence was also a late casualty before the dark evening at the gardens with a muscular problem, but he will feature at Six Ways on Saturday. Chris Ashton continues to be ruled out for an unspecified reason, but Matt Garvey may return. Moving on to football, two goals in each half proved enough for Worcester City as they came through their first round build base FA Vars tie with flying colours at home to Lutterworth Town. Bailey Fuller's goal just before the half-hour mark was added to by Will Gibbons' equally composed finish in the second half, saw City progress despite a nervy final few minutes after Louis Samuel's goal. In the end, it was nothing but a momentary lapse in concentration and Worcester secured a safe passage into the second round draw on Monday. Despite being without a host of first-team individuals due to injuries and ineligibility against a side that have scored 53 goals in 17 games this season, it was a comfortable afternoon for Tom Harris's men. City started brightly, and in Fuller down the right, they were causing Lutterworth's defence all sorts of problems. Then, in the 29th minute, City took the lead with a well-worked goal finished off by winger Fuller. Striker Gibbons controlled a through ball onto his chest before playing a through ball in, in behind to Fuller who cut back onto his left foot and calmly stroked it past Warren Butlin in the Letterworth goal. City continued to dominate proceedings, and youngsters Matty Klitsch and Josh Shook were enjoying their opportunity to start, exerting plenty of pressure on the visitors who could not get a foothold in the tie and generally struggled throughout. 
The second half started with Lutterworth beginning to show some good touches in dangerous positions and the inform 10-day dare headed wide as they looked to drawn level. But then another moment of quality produced a second for City, a centre-half Fortune Maposa controlled the ball on halfway and split the Lutterworth defence with a through ball that found Gibbons composed himself before tucking it into the corner. With the game running away from the visitors, it was actually City who was looking the more likely to score and Fuller had a couple of chances to grab another. Callum Debar also went close before Gibbons was fouled in the box and awarded the penalty, but the striker dragged the spot kick wide. There was very little treat from the way from the wayside, but they did benefit from a short header back to keeper Brendan Bunn from Sam Hall, and Samuels beat everyone to it to tap home. It was a nervy final few moments, but it was a too little too late from Lutterworth, and they were well beaten in the end by City, who were much the better team. Moeen Ali is on a crest of a wave ahead of today's ICC T20 World Cup clash with Bangladesh in Abu Dhabi, according to England head coach Chris Silverwood. The Worcestershire Rapids Vitality Blast captain produced his most economical four-over spell for England in T20 cricket and had figures of 2-17 to 17 in the six-wicket win over Holder's West Indies in Dubai. It has been the first time he'd bowled unchanged from the first over in his England career, as opposed to often being taken out of the attack after just one over. Now Mohin will be looking for a repeat show as he faces former Worcestershire overseas player Shakib Al-Hassan. Silverwood said, Mo is on top of a wave at the moment. He's enjoying himself and sees a real purpose in what he's doing and he sees how he fits into the team. However, he is in that position. He's a very dangerous character. Around the dressing room, he adds a lot of value with the knowledge he's got through cricket. But he's also a very good at pulling people together, which is an important cog in the wheel. With the form he's in, the character in him is coming out. And it's great to see. He's so much fun to have around. But we're seeing that fun coming out on the field as well. So we've got to try and keep him in that position. Rapid skipper, skipper Mahin goes into the game in good form, having starred in Shanghai Super Kings IPL win earlier this month. England are among the favourites for the T20 World Cup, their position being enhanced by India's crushing defeat against Pakistan. And that ends our news for this week. Um, the obituaries will follow the music. Thank you very much for listening, for those of you who are leaving us now, and we look forward to uh, reading for you again in a few weeks' time. And now for the obituaries. Mary Stiles passed away peacefully on the 23rd of September. A funeral service will take place at Worcester Crematorium on Friday the 29th of October at 2.30pm. Family flowers only, please. Donations, if desired, for St Richard's Hospice may be left in the donations box provided. For further information, please contact AV Band. Mark Jonathan Roberts 
on 30th of September 2021, aged 69 years. A private family cremation service will be followed by a memorial service at Worcester Cathedral on Monday the 8th of November at 2.30. Family flowers only, donations if desired to St Richard's Hospice may be left in the donation box or sent directly to St Richard's Hospice. David Charles Trevilian passed away peacefully on October the 1st. Funeral service to take place at Worcester Crematorium on Thursday the 28th of October at 12.15pm. For details, contact Bedwardine Funeral Services. Alma Dutfield, née Taylor, died peacefully on the 7th of October. Committal service for immediate family and close friends will be held at Worcester Crematorium on the 27th of October at 1.45pm, followed by a service of thanksgiving where everyone is welcome to attend at Christ Church, Lower Broadheath at 2.30pm. Family flowers only please, but donations if desired to Cancer Research UK may be left at the service or sent to Bedwardine Funeral Services. Rachel Dawn Langston passed away on the 9th of October. Donation in Rachel's memory may be sent to Many Kisses Dog Rescue. Inquiries to Lydia.Allat at gmail.com James Frederick Barnes, known as Jim, passed away on the 12th of October. Funeral service to take place at Worcester Crematorium on Wednesday the 3rd of November at 12.15. Family flowers only with donations to Midlands Air Ambulance sent care of Bedwardine Funeral Services. Audrey Luxton passed away on October the 12th and some of our readers may, our listeners may remember Audrey because she was a very long-standing member of our team here at was to talking newspaper and was a loyal reader for many, many years. She is much missed by her family and friends and her funeral service will be at St Mark's Church at Cherry Orchard at 12 noon on Friday the 29th of October followed by an internment at Astwood Cemetery. Family flowers only please and donations to be shared between St Mark's Church and Mission Direct Education Projects may be sent to care of Bedwardine Funeral Services. A collection plate will also be available at the church. Eric George White, known as Rick, on October the 17th passed away peacefully. The cremation is private, but Patty, James, Alice and Max would love to remember Rick with his family, friends and colleagues and invite you to join them for refreshments and to share happy memories at St Joseph's College, Cottage, Harwell Lane, Besford, WR8 9AT, on Saturday, November the 6th, any time between 12 noon and 3pm. Besford Church will also be open during this time for prayer. Donations in memory of Rick are invited for Parkinson's UK and may be sent to E. Hill and Son, Pershaw. Angela Maureen Ruffles, née Moverley, 
died peacefully on the 21st of October in Toronto. And Marjorie Alice Joan Wood, known as Joan, died on the 23rd of October. A private funeral service will take place with a memorial lunch at a later date for family and friends. Inquiries to Alexander Byrne Funeral Directors, Tewkesbury. And our thoughts and prayers go to all those who have been bereaved at this very difficult time.